Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, the founder of Influencer Marketing and Branded Content Agency, Hollywood Branded. This podcast provides brand marketers a learning platform for top experts to share their insights and knowledge on topics which make a direct impact on your business today. While it is impossible to be well-versed on every topic and strategy that can improve bottom line results, my goal is to help you avoid making costly mistakes of time, energy, or money, whether you are doing a DIY approach or hiring an expert to help. Let's begin today's discussion. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacy Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacy Jones. I'm so happy to be here with you all today. I want to give a very warm welcome to our guest, Jonathan Grzbowski. Jonathan is the co-founder of Penji, a platform that gives you on-demand access to the top 2% of graphic designers in the world. Their offering is that you can submit as many projects as you want, get your completed designs back in under 48 hours, and only pay a flat monthly rate. Today, Jonathan's going to share the insights he has learned from his own experience on becoming a successful entrepreneur. We'll learn what's worked from Jonathan's perspective, what should be avoided, and how some people miss the mark. Jonathan, welcome. So happy to have you here today. Yeah, thank you so much. I feel the warmth from the internet as we speak, so I appreciate it. Coming across in waves. I love it. Feel it, feel it. it. I'm feeling it. Well, I'd love to start, you know, I, I love the platform that you all fit, but I'd love to, you know, dial it back. How did you get to where you are today? What started you on this journey to launch a graphic design platform? Yeah, I, uh, it's been a lot of, I think, failure for one, for the most part that stumbled us into this particular uh, domain. Um <clears throat> Entrepreneur career started at 15, only really had one real job. I worked for Apple for a number of years and kind of just like bounced around when it comes to just like ideas and generation, but they all revolved around marketing or they all revolved around some type of graphic design element. We uh, were a digital marketing agency and we worked with a lot of big, uh, like big companies like uh, Inc. 5000 companies and universities and things like that. And we provided like so, social media services and marketing and SEO, web design, but we were really bad at like a large majority of those. So we were doing things and providing solutions for people that to, in my personal opinion, just didn't, didn't make sense. Um, and it wasn't fulfilling at all. So we would gain customers and lose customers and everybody would always compliment us about graphic design. So from there, we were like, okay, we could be onto something. Um, we started hiring, like we found really good graphic designers and we thought, well, why, why are we good at it? And not a lot of people, uh, not a lot of other people aren't. So we started surveying a bunch of people and we asked them, what are their pain points? And a lot of them was finding reliable graphic design talent or at least mm-hmm. talent in general. So then that's when we kind of knew we were onto something from there. Um, we kind of just grew this, uh, this service that we called graphic design. It ended up growing into something a lot bigger and we had our first customer pool from the surveys that we inevitably gave to our friends and family and, and network and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, that was about three and a half ish years ago. Uh, we're now an Inc 5,000 company. Uh, we have over a hundred employees. We're growing uh, you know, relatively rapidly month in month out, which is something I'm incredibly proud of personally, especially during a uh, troubling times that we're in now. Um, and that's kind of like the, uh, the gist of where we came from. Now people can just go on our website, sign up for a service, ask for whatever they want, and we provide them as much as we can throughout the course of the month. 
And I'm assuming that with your 100 employees, a lot of them are remote workers, that you don't have everyone housed under one um, roof because of the nature of graphic design in general. Have you, were you an earlier adapter of the virtual employee experience? Yeah, we've been working from home for pretty much day one. The only reason why we have, we have an office is because we, the people in the United States just like to get together. Uh, so we usually eat lunch um, like with each other. We, uh, we have Friday meetings all together. So we kind of use that time together when we were able to get into an office. But even then we would only go to the office like two to three times a week. And then the rest, even then, if you don't want to come, you don't have to. As long as you meet your KPIs, mm -hmm. as long, which are key performance indicators to those that are listening and don't understand. Um, and as long as you're able to just like move the company forward, even if you take five steps back in the beginning of the day, you have to end at least one step forward. Um, so that's, yeah, the, the work from home life has been, it's been ingrained into our culture since day one. And when you had this realization that you had this agency that had so many different hats on and you wanted to dial it back to become a graphic design focused um, company and solution provider, you know, how many employees did you have back then? Four. Okay. Yeah. So you've experienced massive scale in three years. Yeah. We started with four people. Um, my my co my two co-founders and one other individual uh and yeah so we've just been growing ever since um we found something that like i think the biggest takeaway from the that like it experienced growth it wasn't necessarily like a luck type of thing although some of it had a lot to do with it mm -hmm. um i would say more so we found a product and a service that legitimately helps people and then we just amplified that as much as we possibly can through creative storytelling so to those listening, I say, is your product, I think now during the, the pandemic is the true tale of is your business legitimately helping people? Because the people who are canceling don't see the value in what it is that you do. Now, obviously they could be going through economic hardship, but our service is legitimately helping people. So even during a troubling time, we're still growing. Mm -hmm. And so how did you handle the scale? Like, you had four people, you have a hundred people, yeah. you know, you're mentioning that a lot of people are remote workers and virtual, mm -hmm. and do you have a headquarters office that people come in to bond and have that happy, feely, touch good, warm vibe um, mm -hmm. of experience. But how did you go and how did you figure out the right way to bring, you know, 96 more people on board who were going to share in your company culture? who were going to be able to feel like they were part of your family. Mm -hmm. um, so we went through a couple of like hiring sprees where uh, it was just very rapid, but at the same time we give tests for every single person that comes through a large majority of our customer or of our employee base, are graphic designers. Mm -hmm. So um, it comes down to good systems and good processes, mm -hmm. writing them out, making sure that they're clear, making sure that people understand them, mm -hmm. Uh, testing to people in order to make sure that they're qualified versus who should we spend more time with the people that pass or the people that fail um, more often than not, if you give somebody a test and they pass it and you make that test nearly impossible in order for them to pass, then you know that they're number one, they can take clear direction. They'll read, they'll listen. Um, and they're actually good at their job. So 
I think that to us was probably like the most important aspect was just really sound systems processes. The culture side, uh, what we usually do is, and this is a good thing for, I think everybody should be doing this is asking the questions of um, how can we help you and what is your dream? And usually by asking those questions, it, it, it gives uh, us an insight of the person's motivating factors. Mm -hmm. So does this person want to make a hundred thousand dollars a year, right? Mm -hmm. Then we need to be able to set them up for a plan in order to obtain that. Here's what you have to do. Here's how to do it. uh, And here's the steps that you need to take in order to obtain that type of money. If they want to provide for their family, then we obviously understand where their, where, where their emotional uh, side comes in Mm -hmm. and we can play to that as well. Um, you know, they, they're caring, maybe they should be like, uh, an account manager because they too care for others. Um, whatever the scenario is, uh, we play to that, their strengths and weaknesses. And that's kind of how we built the culture from that. And also just legitimately caring, having conversations with people. Um, we get on phone calls regularly with people and we have active like communications via slack Mm -hmm. so from a leading leadership perspective knowing people by name and and knowing that this person has two children or loves basketball you can kind of speak to to that in a little bit better than just saying hey how's your day going it's it's more it's more direct and it's it's more personable and it's just it's better It's, it's more human and when you've been growing, did you put in place, you know, account management? I know you have account managers for brands and for your client base, but did you build out an HR structure to help you be able to actually stay in touch with people and to have those touch points and to have that reporting system um, so that it, it was not just systemized, but actually managed so that you and your partner did not drown? Uh, no. Okay. Yeah, we, we don't, we don't have that. Um, it's a good question. I never really thought about that. Um, I think so. I can. I'll. I'll give you what's on the top of my head. Um, we're entrepreneurs in the aspect that we've never raised money mm-hmm. in our entire eight-year career, and so when like all the systems and processes that we've created have come from experience and from us, mm-hmm. and also trying like we've always been in the mindset of like pinching pennies, mm-hmm. and so that. HR aspect, although important, we've never really had like a need for it because we've always been from the beginning up to date with it. Mm -hmm. So like for me in particular, I can speak to, and I can't speak to my co-founders, but I have a thing that I call a playbook that's on my desktop. Um, And essentially what it looks like is it's like a big document and it has like multiple pages filled with notes from all team members that I talk to separate from like evaluations and things like that. So for me, it's a really good measure of like, Oh, going through that on a weekly basis, like a Monday or a Sunday night and saying, okay, I haven't talked to this person in a couple of weeks. Um, I should probably touch base with them again, putting it on like a handy dandy, like notebook um, is really important too for me. But I think like from a system standpoint, just organization is really important and you probably won't need that. Um, am I overworked to that part? Yes. But, um, I don't know if I'd, I'd change it. I'd, I'm happy with it. That's good. Yeah. 
What are some of the other tricks that you've used to be able to expand to this point, do you think, that have enabled you to actually get to scale so rapidly? Mm -hmm. Are you asking more from like a cultural standpoint or are you looking more for a, uh, do you want to know more about the sales aspect? I think it's both. Why don't we start okay. culturally and then let's move into sales. Sure. Um, so I think from a uh, internal perspective, I think it's more so the person that you're talking to, they have a job and a purpose and their purpose is to do X, Y, Z, and they need to be aware of what that is. And they also need to be aware of their KPIs. So uh, a key performance indicator is a measurement of success. Um, if this person is able to obtain their and maintain their KPIs mm -hmm. within our company, then um, they have opportunities to grow, et cetera, et cetera. The hardest aspect of that was setting the, the proper KPIs and then being able to actually tell them, tell the person what their job role is. So for example, your job is to um, send, uh, to get five sales a week, right? Mm -hmm. How are you able to legitimately do that? And is the person that gave you the job, are they able to do it first? Mm -hmm. So we've haven't created a job role on, we haven't added new job roles unless the person that's providing that job role is able to actually accomplish that mm -hmm. within a couple of weeks. So to us, that was incredibly insightful because we created the processes and systems in order to like, we literally go, like I specifically was the person that, that did the sales aspect of it and said, mm -hmm. okay, this person's able, like I was able to get five, 10 sales a week by doing this measures and then being able to say step one, step two, step three, step four, and then being able to deliver that and expect at least maybe not the same results because you're the co-founder, but at least a moder moderation of that result. That was probably the hardest part because what in your head, you can kind of write down the steps and then it makes sense to you, mm -hmm. but then being able to give it to somebody else, it's like literally a different language. So, mm -hmm. um, having to kind of scale that and edit it was incredibly stressful. Um, but that level of like fine tooth comb was uh, allowed us to scale the way that we were able to, um, from a sales perspective, it's asking our customers where they came from and then doubling down on the trends. So we have all of our, our numbers, um, accounted for. So when a customer comes through our system, we ask them how they found out about us. We also go a step further and say like, you know, other additional questions essentially. Mm -hmm. And if we start to see trends, like five people coming from this particular Facebook group or five, 10 people coming from this particular keyword um, from advertisements or whatever, then we start to understand that we might be onto something. Um, and then we invest, usually we invest uh, whether like a couple months time on that one particular topic and getting really good at that one thing. So this year in particular is, is how can we further scale and obtain success and reach success within our advertisement budget? Because right now we're spending X amount of dollars, but we want to spend like 10 times more on that. And we need to be able to say that if we spend a hundred thousand, I'm just giving a round number, a hundred thousand dollars a month on advertisements, mm -hmm. what is going to be our return on our investment? Sure. So I don't know if that answered the question, but that was the things that were in my head. Yeah, you did. You know, you talked about the fact, and I think this is something that a lot of entrepreneurs and businesses in general fail at, is that, you know, you have the, you, 
This is what you should be able to do. Let's just say you should be getting X amount of sales, but there's no sound rationale behind right, it. Accountability. Right, to actually get you there. And there's no true path. And it's, you've set up a rinse and repeat system. You've set up where, okay, you do X, Y, Z, you get this result. Um, you do X, Y, Z again, you get the same result. So you're able to pass that knowledge on and that insight to someone else to be able to take on and do it. Otherwise, there's no way you would have been able to scale to this degree if you were the only one still able in your head to do the X, Y, Z to get that result. Yeah. And I think to that point, you are hiring people in order for them to help you. Mm -hmm. And so if you're the one that ended up like just doing the job because you think that you're the best at it, then why are you really hiring that person in the first place? So it's more so you giving somebody a task, you telling them to do what they have to do in order to, to, to meet that. If you don't meet the KPI, we just, we just have to move on. It's no hard feelings. It's just business. Uh, we're trying to grow fast. We're trying to, to legitimately help people. Yeah. And the only way to do that is, uh, that we need the best of the best. So, um, that's, that's just the way it is. So do you have a pretty fast, you know, hire smartly because you're giving people massive tests where they have to, as you said, follow detailed instructions to make it through. And then do you fire quickly? Um, I'm probably a little bit on the nicer side about that mm-hmm. um, because I, I, I could say that from my perspective, I'm a little bit more emotional uh, mm-hmm. and I, I, I want to believe that everybody can achieve the, mm-hmm. the tasks. Um, I don't think if I could do a self-analysis, I don't think that I'm as fast as I would want to be mm-hmm. um, because I want to be fair, but I wish I was faster. I think that's most people, by the way. Yeah, most sure. of us are like, I, I think the biggest issue with entrepreneurs, I know this for myself, is I cast myself in the other person's shoes and I'm like, exactly. but they can do it. I know they have this potential. They just, what do I need to do to fire them up and get them to step forward and accomplish this? It's up to me to get them to do, which is, I think, a big failing that a lot of us have, actually, because that's not always the best way. Yeah, um, sure. I've been down that that path multiple times. <laughs> yeah, most people are. Um, I belong to this agency networking group. And so everyone gets together a couple of times a year. And it, it's funny because everyone, someone always has this employee that's not working out. And everyone, it's so easy to, from the outside, say they're not working out. They're not hitting their KPIs. They're not doing this, this, and this. You know, you're paying for them. Why do you keep having them? And the person's like, Oh, but they're a nice person. Oh, but I know they're trying. Oh, and it's just, it's everyone. It's human nature to actually think that other people want to do well and are capable of doing well. I would even say, so that's a great point. I would even say as far as um, a lot of people don't put blame and ownership on themselves and they blame other outside factors, like Mm -hmm. they're a good person or um, they're trying or, um, you know, it's their fault. They're not reading it. They're not smart enough. Uh, I've, come to the realization that I'm, since I'm the one that set up the process and I'm the reason why it's not working. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the person that, that needs to reassess like the amount of times that I've, I've edited a document of a KPI or like a, a system or process board is like painstakingly blood th- dripping through the eyes. Like that's how often it's been done. So, but it's needed. Yeah. So it sounds like you're, you're in a similar boat. I think most people are in the similar yeah. boat, honestly. <laughs> I think that, you know, you start something and you have a passion and it's your baby and this is your baby. 
and you want it to fly and you want it to do well and you think that anyone who comes in association with your baby that you have to give them the tools and the mindset um, and we tend to blame ourselves and the entrepreneurs before we necessarily blame the employee for not doing mm. the job we think that we haven't set them up for success sure um, yeah, so i think I that's a very very common thing and it's great to be able to tweak and figure out what you've done of coming together and really doing that rinse and repeat strategy um, and that's fantastic but i i'm sure you like everyone else blame yourself sometimes more than the individual which is that niceness guy factor. yeah i'm really hard on myself um but i think that's also a it's not a bad thing uh yeah. i like the, I, I personally like the pressure yeah. um i think i thrive better when i'm up against a wall so yeah i agree so what else have you done do you think to help you scale to this point to you know what have y'all taken on to be able to soar across the horizons mm -hmm. and everyone knows who you are and you're getting yeah. posted all over the place and you're getting press and i think it's just like uh like a good story like people mm -hmm. want to be entertained people want to know that you're good people mm -hmm. um and this wasn't done necessarily on purpose this is just who we are when we first started we ended up helping uh nonprofits in order to help our community so we started in a city called camden new jersey which is predominantly a uh, impoverished area it's got a lot of bad rap it's probably one of the most dangerous cities in america we were literally the only startup that decided to headquarters in there in this city and we helped a lot of nonprofits. and that's kind of been like our our thing has been helping those who help others and we've created a lot of programs, especially during now, where we're doing supplies for change, where if somebody needs um, uh, medical devices of some kind, we're either going to pay for that in order to give it to frontline workers, or we have connections with people in order to make that possible. Um, that's been ingrained in our DNA since day one. Mm -hmm. and, and there isn't anything that is fake about it. And with that said, I think for us, that's our story is helping those who help others. But I think in order for people to, like if somebody were to replicate that, I think that you need to find a way to develop a story and an initiative surrounding your business that is you, right? Like if somebody came up to us and said, we want to be able to, you know, help the opioid crisis, like that's, that's not who we are, you know, like we want to help in that aspect, but that's just not what our, uh, who the, the, the folks that we want to necessarily put, invest more time into um, things that, that, in, that work with us is people who help children and technology mothers who, who, who need help and uh, children who need proper education and understanding and learning um, nonprofits who are, who, who are legitimately helping people to, to me, that's how like, people resonated with that and they wanted to help us and they wanted to see us succeed because of that help. Mm -hmm. And so every year we actually have a, a program called Penji for nonprofits where we give our services. We used to give it away for free. Uh, and we did like 25 ish in the, like the first year. Uh, but just due to like demand and stuff like that, we do about 10 to 15 uh, people a year mm -hmm. that we give our services for $1 a month. And they have it for the entire year. They could use this as much as they want in order to help their nonprofit. There's a very extensive process in order for them to sign up for that service. Mm -hmm. But it's something that like people look forward to on a yearly basis and they want to be accepted into the program. And we even had customers that 
people who were our customer and then they got upgraded to the $1 agency, uh, $1 plan because of just what they do for their community. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just a good story. Like it has to be a good service mixed with a really good story and it has to be authentic and you. Do you find that some of your nonprofits that don't get accepted end up being clients anyways, because now they're exposed sometimes. to you? Yeah, it's definitely sometimes it's, it doesn't, I'll be honest, it doesn't happen often and we're not doing it necessarily as like yep. a lead generation source. Um, but yeah, so sometimes that's the best answer. And do you think that you get a fair amount of press? Do y'all take um, initiative to try to actually get press from that? Or is it just more so uh, kind of the backbone, do good of the company and it keeps y'all ticking? Um, I would say if you are the type that kind of like goes up to a homeless person and takes your phone out in order to give them pizza, then that's, that's not, that's not us. Um, Mm -hmm. It just so happens that, that at times we do get the press, but we're not actively creating like a campaign out of it. Um, If it doesn't get out there, it's fine. Like for example, the supplies for change, we did um, no press whatsoever. We just legitimately wanted to help somebody ended up seeing it and then because they know who we are and what we do they ended up putting it on tv for example Mm -hmm. um but that's just because we made the proper connections in the beginning and people know that that's just who we are as people but we Mm -hmm. don't necessarily promote it on like an ongoing it is on our website and obviously it's on the front page because we want it to help but Mm -hmm. we're not actively promoting it it just naturally comes to us because of just the types of people that we are you're just authentic which is lovely yeah, exactly. Yeah. You have like to build a, that. You have to build that authenticity because it doesn't just happen mm-hmm. overnight. Right. You had to actually figure out what it was that was your culture for even authenticity, like what yeah. you wanted it to be because you couldn't go out and do 5,000 things. You yeah. actually created this, you again, created a system mm-hmm. where you can funnel in that charity element in a continual way where it, it makes sense versus hey, now we're all going to go over in here and do this. Let's talk to this over here and try to be feel good about something else. You've created an element of your company that actually is charity, nonprofit focused, that is a, a community helper. Yeah. Um, dang, I, you said something that like really resonated with, oh, oh. Uh, so you were talking, you hinted at displacement a little bit. Mm-hmm. So- if you have to displace a large majority of your workforce in order to kind of like change the initiative, so to speak, then it's probably not worth it because it's going to be extremely cost costly. Um, So you have to also take it in consideration that when you do initiatives and when you do sales things or change focus of, of any type of job role, there's a displacement cost that that's, that's uh, that you can't see. So that's also something you need to take into consideration. Cool. Well, how can people sign up? How can they learn more about Penchy? Where should they go? Yeah, head over to penji.co, P-E-N-J-I.co. If you just Google Penji or unlimited graphic design, um, we'll be up at the top. um, And that's the best way to to learn more about us. That's awesome. Any last parting words of advice for our listeners today? I would say, um, you know, if you're... If you're ever struggling or if you ever feel like uh, you're at a crossroads... um, just make sure, I mean, this is, I'm not a motivational guy, but I've, I found myself, uh, 
like constantly thinking to myself, like, why, how did I get here? And, and why am I putting my body and my mind through this world, weird world of entrepreneurship? Um, and I realized that if, if it wasn't for having a North star, if it wasn't for understanding who I am, if it wasn't for understanding my purpose, um, I've had a hard time understanding my why when I didn't have that purpose. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't have your purpose just yet, and if you don't understand like why you're actually here, um, I, I challenge you today to figure that out and whatever it takes in order to do that. Um, for me, it's still ever changing, but I have a really core foundation of like what I stand for. Um, and I've, and I've written out principles and guidelines for myself to kind of live by like a, my own Bible, so to speak. You don't have to be as like hyper analytical and, and, and crazy like I am, but you know, take a piece of paper and say like, what are the things that I'm most passionate about? What are the things that I care for deeply? And then there, the answer probably resides in there. So that would be my, my parting word, especially during the pandemic when there's like, everybody is hitting the pause button. Um, you have a time to get ahead. So. Perfect. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for sharing thank with you so our much. listeners today. That was awesome. Really great insights. And you have, and you're still on a journey that is incredible. So congratulations. Thank you. Of course. And then to all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Marking Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. So happy to have you here. And until we chat next time, stay safe.